Have you ever wanted a new beginning, a fresh start? Have you ever been in the middle of an argument, and in the middle of an argument you just wanted to stop and go, why did I even start this? Or why did I even begin this? Many of you know, you, you go and you're, you're, you're going to a friend or a heated situation or a neighbor, extended family member, and you, and you know how they are. You promised yourself, if they start arguing, I'm not going to say anything. I'm, I'm not saying anything. I'm just not going to say anything. And then all of a sudden, they start, and then you take the bait, and the argument begins, and and you just wish you could just stop and go, well, why didn't I just, what, what? And you just wish you had a new beginning. I know that every time I've come to a moment in my life where I did something stupid. How many of you know preachers can do stupid things too? Does that encourage you? Good, because we listen to y'all confess all your stupidity to us. So Sunday's our opportunity to confess ours to you. There's a neat commercial that uh, Southwest Airlines is doing, and it, it is a guy waiting for an Uber. Now, how many of you know what an Uber is? Raise your hand. Now, when I was growing up, there was a Goober, and a Goober was like a nerd, but, but, but Uber is the basic today's version of a yellow cab, except you, you call them up on your phone, and, and, and then they can find you and track your phone right to where you are. And there's a guy who's waiting for an Uber in a city, and he's standing on a street corner. The door opens up, and when it opens up, he jumps in the car, and the guy beside him says, you got it? And he doesn't realize he stepped in the middle of a bank robbery, and this is a getaway car. And then all of a sudden, the, the Southwest slogan comes up, want to get away? Have you ever been in the middle of one of those? You know, my wife and I don't argue. We just have heated fellowship. But in the middle of one of those moments where you just stopped and went, well, why don't I just start over? I believe that everybody wants a fresh start. If you ask me, when did my fresh start begin? The first one, I, I know it very vividly. It was 1971 in Jackson Junior High School in the Mexican ghetto of Houston where I was raised. And there, for the first time in my life, an African-American counselor shared with me that there was a God that really loved me, that had a plan and a purpose for my life, and that if I surrendered my life to him that day, I could start over, all over. Everything I'd ever done would be washed away and never be remembered again, not by people, but by God. And then he said, do you want that? Do I want that? It was the greatest thing I'd ever heard. And so that day I prayed with that African-American counselor and I was born again. Say that with me, born again. You see, my birthday is June the 17th, but my spiritual birthday is the week before Easter, 1971, when I prayed with that African-American counselor in a chemistry lab in Jackson Junior High. That was my first new beginning. You see, I tried to change before, but I didn't have the power to change. When Christ came to live inside me for the first time, I had the one who made me who could finally begin remaking me. As a matter of fact, Corinthians says it like this. The Apostle Paul would write, If anyone is in Christ, they are a brand new creation. All the old things have passed away and everything has become brand new. 
That was my first new beginning. I was now in touch with the one that created me to begin recreating my life. It was about a week later, I was at church. I came to Christ in a junior high school. And so I went to church and then we'd have two or three youth meetings a week and I would go to those. And, and, and one, one of the messages they were talking about, you couldn't smoke weed. That was a sin. I'm like, smoking weed is a sin? I mean, God made grass. I mean, he made, you know, spinach, he made lettuce, he made, you know, you ever hear that argument? God made weed, why can't you smoke it? He made poison ivy too. <laughs> Fairly certain you're not going to smoke that. And, and so, and so I, 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 I remember vividly that day I went, oh, you can't smoke weed anymore? Okay. So, so I quit. A few weeks later, I came into our, our youth outreach and and, and the youth pastor walked up to me and he said, hey, Jacob, are you okay? I said, sure. He said, it looks like you got in a fight with the vacuum cleaner and lost. Because I had a ring of hickeys all the way around my neck. Now, many of you millennials, young people, you don't even know what that is. You see, hickeys were when you started going a direction morally that you shouldn't go, but you stopped right before you crossed over where you absolutely shouldn't cross over. Do, do you know why there are no hickeys anymore? Because nobody stops. And so my youth pastor looked at me and he said, Jacob, are you living sexually pure? I said, well, yeah, I am. I mean, of course. He said, well, Jacob, living sexually pure is not just not having sex. It's you can't do everything that leads up to that. And when you get to the cliff, pray you don't fall over. I said, really? And he said, yeah. I said, okay. So then I put that by the wayside. And lust was no longer dominating and controlling my life. So the first new beginning, when I was born again. But by that point on, from that point on, God began to change me. A few weeks later, I discovered that I had to forgive my parents for everything they did to me or didn't do that I thought they should do. And then the next time, it was in each step along the way, God began changing me. When I was born again, say that with me, born again, I was instantaneously spiritually alive. Instantaneously. Salvation is instantaneous. Say that with me. Salvation is instantaneous. When a baby's born, when it's one minute old, it's alive as you and I are. The difference is it's immature. And when you were born again, you were immediately made spiritually alive, but you were still immature. And so the process of growing and God taking things out of your life so that you can become more Christ-like is called sanctification. Sanctification. Salvation is instantaneous. Sanctification is a process. Say that with me. Sanctification is a process. So when I was right here and I prayed to give my life to Christ with that African-American counselor in that chemistry lab, immediately I was spiritually alive. I was an infant. And then step by step, God began removing things from my life, that process called sanctification, to this good day. And I've been a Christian for 46 years. I've been preaching for over 40 years. 
And the process is still happening every day. And do you know what happens when I stop? And when it stops inside you and me? Then we begin to rely on religious ritual and religion instead of a relationship with God. It's kind of like you're married, but you had not talked to your wife in a week. And you're aggravated with each other. And there's no communication. You're still married. There just isn't any intimacy between you and them. Today, I believe that learning to have a new beginning is the daily process of the Christian life. As a matter of fact, the Bible says it like this in John 1 John 1, 3. Listen to what it says. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, we are the children of God, and it does not yet appear to us what we shall be. But when He's revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as what? What does that mean? Why didn't God just show me all the things that needed to change in my life when I came to Christ, when I was born again? Why in 1971 didn't he show me everything? You know why? Because he loves me too much. Because that's like looking at an infant that was just born and said, get out, get a job, start supporting yourself, kid. They were incapable. I was incapable. And so God goes through a process of maturity, of stripping back things. And do you know when my Christian life is exciting? When I'm continuing to take the next step. You know when it becomes dull and a drudgery? And oh, it's church again. Here we go. It's that same song. They've been singing that song for a month. I don't know why we're singing that song. You know when? When we stop taking the next step. When God puts his finger on something else in us he wants to change. And then instead of looking inward at what God wants to change in me, I start looking outward at people that aren't changing. And instead of becoming a Christian, I become a judge and a hypocrite. Is that okay? So how do we prepare for a new beginning? I want to give you a few ways that we prepare for a new beginning. Number one, new beginnings... Don't start in a day. They start. Let me say it one more time. New beginnings don't start in a day. They start. How many of you made a New Year's resolution at the beginning of the year? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you made a New Year's resolution? And it was to make no New Year's resolutions. Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you said, I'm going to get in better shape this year? Come on. Okay. I'm going to lose some weight this year. Raise your hand. Okay. I, 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 many of you on, June, on, on December 31st were stuffing boudin, crackling, boudin balls, fried everything. In your, and, and people go, why are you stuffing yourself? Because tomorrow I'm dieting. <laughs> so, so you were shoving everything in there so that you could get it out of you start tomorrow. And as you know, many of you who made those commitments to work out, to eat better, to drop a habit... Those things are still in your life right now. Why? Because new habits don't begin in a day. They begin every day. Every day I need to eat right. Every day I need to work out. Every day I need to be in that word. Every day I need to discipline myself. Every day I need to bite my tongue and operate in self-control. Every day I need to pray. Every day when temptation comes, I need to say, Lord, wash me, cleanse me, help me. Every day. You know why I know that? 
Because outside of food and air and water that every one of us need to live, as a Christian, the one thing that is food and air and water to me is to be forgiven every day. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't need forgiveness every day. I need it every hour. I need it every minute. And I need it every second. How many of you are the same way? The Bible says this. It says in Lamentations 3, 22-24, God's loyal love couldn't have run out. His merciful love couldn't have dried up. They are created new. New every what? That means God never went to bed mad and woke up mad at you. Every time you ever saw the sun rise, you know what that tells you? God's mercies are brand new for you that day. All you got to do is ask for them. You know what I love about God? I'm going to tell you, I've been a Christian now near 50 years. You know what I love most about God? I'm going to tell you the one thing I love most about God. And I've had a lot of, lot of time to think about this. If you knew the worst about Jacob Aranza, you would never sit down in a church and listen to me. You would never do that. If you knew the thoughts that have gone through my mind, if you knew the things that I'd attempted to do, but God in His mercy stopped me and protected me from me, you would never listen to me. Do you know why? I don't want you to know about that. How many of you have done some things you don't want anybody to know about? Raise your hand. How many of you are so thankful Instagram wasn't available <laughs> and phones when you were growing up? Don't lie. Some of you, come on, some of you old gray-headed people here, your grandchildren be sitting there going, Paul, Paul, that was you? <laughs> well, yeah, baby, but I don't remember what happened. Okay, you, you, you know... Aren't you grateful for that? You see, we all have this fear. Here's the fear. If you knew the worst about me, you would never like me. You would never be my friend. You would never want to be around me. You would never want to talk to me. Do you know what I love most about God? Is that he is the one who knows the most about me. And he's the one who loves me the most. It doesn't get better than that. It doesn't get better than that. New beginnings don't start in a day. They start every day. Number two, you can't say hello to tomorrow until you say goodbye to your yesterdays. Do you know that the devil doesn't know the future? The devil does not know the future. Say that with me. The devil doesn't know the future. But guess what he does know? He knows your past. The devil is called the liar, the deceiver, and the accuser. Do you know why? Because as long as he can keep you trapped into your past, you will never fulfill God's purpose for you for your future. When Pastor Josh's mom called me, when he just graduated from high school and told me everything that was going on in their family. I said, send Josh here. 
His grandfather was a father to me. We will be a father to him. Pastor Josh could have that day said, I'm going to be like my daddy. He could have said worse. I'm going to be bitter and angry so that I never become like my daddy. But instead of becoming bitter and instead of mimicking or following his father's example, he turned all of that that would have held him back to his past. He turned it over to God so that God could reveal to him his future. How many areas of your life are you still holding on to in your past and it's keeping you from God's future? I've got to say goodbye to my yesterdays. Paul writes in Philippians 3.13, he says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I've made it on my own yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies, forgetting what lies behind me. You've got to let go of the past to move into your future. That's why we encourage you to get in a freedom group. How many of you have been through freedom? Okay, if you haven't been in a freedom small group, what is a freedom small group? It's a group, small group of people that take, you walk through a curriculum that helps you deal with hurts, habits, and hangups of your past. And we all have them. Every one of us. The Bible says in James 5, 16, Confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be... Now, many of you came from a background that in order to be forgiven, you thought you had to confess to a priest. You now know all we have to confess to is Jesus. He is our priest. He is our priest. He's our advocate between us and God. He's our lawyer between us and God. But do you know why we need to confess our faults to others? How many of you know people that have habits in their life that make them look bad? Don't point at people, just raise your hand. How many of you have habits in your life that you wish you could get rid of? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you have people you really, 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 really love and you wish they would let you tell them what they need to hear so they could change? Raise your hand. Again, don't point at your husband, ma'am, just raise your hand. Let me ask you a question. Why don't you tell them something? Do you know why? Because usually what's not asked for is not appreciated. And in your mind, here's what you said. They won't listen to me. They're not in a position. They don't want to listen. When I confess my sin to somebody else, when I look at my friend and go, man, would you pray for me? I mean, I've just got so much anger inside of me. I mean, I, and they go, I'm so glad you said that. You know why? Two weeks ago, you embarrassed me at the church softball game. As a matter of fact, I wanted you to take the church shirt off. I wanted you to put the Baptist church shirt on or some other denominational church shirt on. But hey, I didn't want you to be identified with our Savior's church. You were acting a fool. Why? Because when someone confesses something to you, then it gives you permission to speak to it. I like to say it like this. When they confess it, you can address it. The reason why many of us stay stuck in habits that never change is because we cannot change alone. We can't change alone. And so you need others 
in your journey. Number three, old habits, hurts, and history keep me from my destiny. Old habits, hurts, and history can keep me from my destiny. I love this. Exodus 3, 6, Moses is having this conversation with God at the burning bush. And listen to what he says. God says, moreover, Moses, when Moses says, who are you in this bush talking to me? He says, moreover, I am the God of your father, the God of, the God of, and the God of, and Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. Now think of the people, how cool would that be to be so close to God that when God wanted to tell people who he was, he said, I'm the God of Tammy Boudreaux. I'm the God of Phil Lanson. I'm the God of, when everybody else was in the drought, the Thibodeau farm got rain. I'm the God of the Thibodeaux. How cool would that be to know that God called himself by your name? Wouldn't that be cool? Remember this. While I'm preaching, my job is to set up the trap and your job is to fall into it. I'm doing my job. You're not doing yours. How cool would it be for God to call himself by your name? Because when you think of these people, okay, when, when you think of Abraham, he was called the father of? Starts with an F, ends with an H, has an I and a T. He's called the father of faith. He's called the father of faith. Why? Because he believed that God would give him a child, even when he was 100, that his wife, who was barren in her 80s, that she could get pregnant. Hey, that's some faith. That was pre-blue pill. And then, of course, there's Isaac. How about Isaac? How about Isaac? Isaac, in his 20s, went to do what he did every year with his daddy. They would go up to this mountain and they would make a sacrifice to God. They'd build an altar. First, they'd have a servant with them. They'd bring fire. You had to bring that from the house. They brought fire. They brought wood. And they would bring an animal to sacrifice. And they'd make this sacrifice to God. So they're up there. And they're doing everything, preparing for the sacrifice. And, and Isaac looked at his daddy. He goes, Daddy, we got the fire. We got the wood. We got the hammer. We got the nails. Where's the animal we're going to sacrifice? And his daddy had this strange look. And he said, the Lord will provide for himself a sacrifice. And then they got up there and they built the altar and they set up everything for the fire. And he said, daddy, where's the sacrifice? And his daddy said, lay on the altar. I was like, daddy, are you, are you serious? Lay on the altar. And then he took and he tied him up. And he said, Dad, this is kind of a bad joke. And then he picked up a knife and he stood over him. Daddy, Dad, Dad this is crazy. This was not an infant child. This was a grown man laying there. And then all of a sudden God spoke from heaven and said, Abraham, now I know that you fear me and love me more than what I gave to you. Look over, and in the brush 
was a ram and his horn was caught and he pulled him out. He unloosed his son and they sacrificed this animal and he named that place Jehovah Jireh, which means my God will always provide for me. Can you imagine Isaac after that? Think he was in counseling? <laughs> he, he walks in, I need to see a counselor. What's wrong? Okay, now I'm going to tell you this story. It's going to sound kind of crazy. Okay, but this is my daddy. You've not seen this side of my daddy. We've seen that side at home. And you start telling, we went to the church. <laughs> we were going to the same mountain we go to all the time. We were building this altar. We built this altar. We had fire. We had everything. And then he pulls out this knife and tells me to tie myself up. And then he was going to kill me. I'm not sleeping at daddy's house no more. <laughs> you imagine having a family reunion. Daddy, that's that look in your eyes. Don't look at me like that. I remember when you looked at me like that one time. His obedience. And then, of course, there was, there, was, there was Jacob, who later would become Israel. And from them, the 12 sons that would become the 12 tribes of Israel that would move into the promised land, which is called modern-day Israel. And the one tribe that would survive out of those 12 tribes was the tribe of Judah, of which the people today sit there that are called the Jews thousands of years later. But let's talk about the real truth that the Bible also includes about these heroes. Abraham, the father of faith, was filled with fear. Twice, when a famine came to his land and they had to go to a foreign country, to find food twice. His wife was so beautiful that twice when he went to a foreign land, the king inquired of her and he was afraid he was going to be killed. So you know what he said? Lie to them and tell them you're my sister, not my wife. And twice the king almost took her as his wife. But God miraculously stopped them. Can you imagine that conversation afterwards? Can you imagine when they got in an argument? You know what you do in an argument. Yeah, but remember when we got engaged, you said you weren't even sure you wanted to marry me. Okay, yeah, baby, that was 30 years ago. Can you imagine an argument between Abraham and Sarah? You sold me out twice. I don't know how they call you the father of faith, you chicken. <laughs> and then... How about Isaac, who followed his father's same example and did the same thing with his wife? These men of faith also were men of fear. As a matter of fact, Isaac had two sons. One was a Cajun. He was hairy. He was a hunter. He was strong. His name was Esau. But God had chosen Jacob and not Esau. And Isaac wanted Esau to be the chosen one. And then there was Jacob, who stole his brother's birthright, his inheritance over a bowl of gumbo. Who deceived his daddy to get the blessing. His brother was hairy, and so he took some of that ram sheepskin, like that one that's in the bathroom, the men's bathroom right here at our Savior's church. You love that bathroom. I feel mannish when I go in there. There's deer, and there's goats, and there's wildlife. I just go in there and just go... Just feel mannish. I don't even need to use the bathroom. I just go in there and scream just to be able to say I was in there. And then 
Jacob deceives. His name actually means deceiver and manipulator. You see, Pastor, why, why are you telling us all these things about biblical heroes? You know why? Look right here. Because if biblical heroes had history, they had to deal with the change. So do you and me. So do you and me. As a matter of fact, every one of us as Christians should walk around with a sign about this big on us. And you know what it should say? God ain't finished with me yet. He's not finished with me yet. You knew that when you were driving through Jennings Slow and somebody honked at you and you went to go. Then you went, the love of Jesus, I bless you. Except you only use one finger to bless him. And then you look on the back of their car, Savior's Church of Jennings. <laughs> Meet me at the Easter egg drop. <laughs> so, the last five minutes I have, I want to talk to you about four steps to have a new beginning. Are you ready? Step number one, recognize you need to change. See it. When a baby's born right, and it's in the birth canal, it comes out head first. Real change starts here first. I need to change. Think about the area right now where you need to change. Think about the new beginning that you need, whether it's relationally, financially, whether it's between you and your mate, whether it's between you and somebody else, a new job. Think about, you got to see it first. Number two, Recognize you need to change. Number two, repent. Say that with me, repent. We know a lot about penance in our area, but we don't know a lot about repentance. Penance means I feel pain for something that I've done wrong. That's what it means. It means to see it and to be sorry for it. But I love the way that the scripture describes it in the book of Acts. Listen to what it says. So repent, change your inner, your old way of, Regret past sins and return to God and seek His purposes for your life so that your sins may be what? Wiped away, blotted out, and completely erased so that times of refreshing may come to you. The first thing that we need to do is we need to repent. It's not only repentance, it's not only to see what you've done that's wrong, but it's to hate it. To see it and to hate it. How many of you have ever been drunk before? How many of you have ever bowed at that porcelain altar? You're kneeling over that toilet, blah, praying right there. How many of you have ever been there and said, I'll never do this again? Come on, you said, I'll never do this again. How many of you did it next weekend? Raise your hand. Okay. Did you see what you were doing that was wrong? Did you hate it? But you only hated it for the moment. That's called worldly sorrow. Let me give you the biblical picture of this. The Bible says like a dog returns back to his vomit. So a fool returns back to his foolishness. Let me explain that. It's trash day in Jennings. Little stray dog's hungry. Little Mexican dog. Little Mexican demon-possessed dog. That's a chihuahua. Okay. He's running around. He sees a trash can that was pulled over by a big German shepherd down the road. And he looks there and he sees it and goes, Popeyes. 
spicy. So he nibbles on that and eats it and eats it and eats it. And then he nibbles on fries, but they don't like fries too much. So he licks a little bit of the red beans and rice. Nibbles on the, on the, on the uh, biscuit a little bit. Those biscuits need honey. Nibbles on that biscuit right there. Are you hungry yet? He nibbles on that biscuit. And, 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 and then he just eats so much, this little chihuahua, that he, he runs down about 100 yards and he just goes and throws up. Man, he feels so much better. Well, about four or five hours later, he's going, man, I am hungry for some Cajun food. So he goes down trash lane. And he looks over and he goes, I smell some spicy, chunky Campbell's chicken noodle, chicken chunky soup. And he isn't smart enough to know that he ate it and he was sick of it and threw it up. So it goes back and eats with gusto and zeal the very thing he was sick of, so sick of that he threw it up. I'll never talk like that again, honey. I promise you I'll never drink like that again. I'll never go back. I won't watch porn again. I won't do this. I'm sick of it, I promise you. As the fool returns back to his folly, just like a dog returns back to his vomit. It's not enough to see it, and it's not enough to hate it. You have to, by God's grace and power, turn away from it and go the opposite direction. And listen to me. There's only one way you can do this, and that's number three, to release myself through surrender. To release myself through surrender. I can't change myself. Why? Because the enemy comes and he knocks me down. How many of you, the enemy's ever knocked you down? Raise your hand. But if he knocks you down to here, that's the strongest place you can possibly be. Do you know why? Because when I stand, my strength is limited. When I stand, my power is limited. When I stand, my thoughts are limited. When I stand, my ability to eat, to gain more strength, is limited. But when I'm down here, I go from my limited power to his unlimited power. My limited strength to his unlimited strength. My limited thoughts to his unlimited thoughts. When he knocks me to here, I release so that I can receive from he who is unlimited. I need to release myself. And then finally, Renew my mind. Say that with me. Renew my mind. When I gave my life to Christ, people looked at me and they go, you know what's wrong with you? I said, what? They said, you got brainwashed. And you know what I told them? If you knew what was in my brain, T.D. Jakes said, uh, man came from the dirt and he's naturally dirty. If you knew what was in my brain, it needed to be washed. It needs to be washed. My mind must be renewed by the Word of God. When I came to Christ and was born again, that was instantaneous. But to begin to reprogram my mind, I must do what the book of Ephesians says. When it talks about that you regard your previous way of life and put off your old self completely and discard your former nature, which is being corrupted through deceitful desires, and be continually renewed in the... 
of your having a fresh outlook. Put on a new self, a regenerated and renewed nature. That's what I do with the Word of God. I wash out all that was there before. I brainwash. Jesus said, you're cleansed through the Word which I've spoken to you. Jesus said, my words are spirit in their life. David said, your words are health to my flesh and life to my bones. Job said, I treasure your word more than my necessary food. It's that word that reprograms my mind. It's like you trading out your phone and you download what was there. Wouldn't it be terrible that, you know, all the deleted stuff you deleted? How many deleted stuff from your phone? Wouldn't it be terrible if you went to go get a brand new phone and, you trans- and it left all the good stuff and didn't do anything but do- sent all the deleted stuff? My mind, the spirit of my mind must delete and be washed. And not only washed, then it needs to be filled. It needs to be filled. You know, when you, I hear Pastor Josh's story and I'm reminded of all those years and his grandfather, who I was so close to. His grandfather actually died on his way to come here when we got our first big piece of property. We were dedicating it, and the conference center is named after his grandfather, the Cost Landry Center. I, 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 I look at Josh, and you think, how did that wounded teenage boy, how, how did he become a man of God? How did he become an amazing pastor? How did he become an amazing father? How did he? One new beginning at a time. One day at a time. One forgiving venture at a time. One letting go of old hurts at a time. Until one day he stands up in front of you and you think, Pastor Josh don't have any clue what I've been through. He ain't ever been hurt like me. But for those of us that have had a front row seat, watching God sanctify him and set him apart more and more and more. For those of you just walk in and go, man, he's amazing. Would you bow your head with me? Father, today, we thank you for new beginnings, for you are the author of them all. Starting from the moment that we're born again, Father, today, in the name of Jesus, I pray for many who need a new beginning. And their relationships between them and their mates, between them and their children, between them and extended family members or a neighbor, even somebody in church. Today, you're the God of new beginnings. I want us all to pray this together because I believe there are many here that this word was, this message today was just for you. I want you just to say this with me. I want you to put your hands, if you would, just on your lap with your palms open. And I want you to pray this with me. Heavenly Father, I need a new beginning. I recognize it. I see it. I repent. Grant me that gift of repentance. The ability to see it like you do. And today, I release 
myself. I forgive myself and all others who've hurt me. But what they did or didn't do. And I commit by your grace to renew my mind with the word, with worship, with fellowship. In Jesus' name. And now with every head bowed, every eye closed, the last minute, I want to ask you the most important question of your life. Jesus said, unless a man or woman was born again, they wouldn't see the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, unless a man or woman was born again, they wouldn't enter into the kingdom of heaven. And then he said, don't be surprised. I tell you, you must be born again. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want to ask you that question. Have you been born again? Like your birthday, it only happens once. Just like it happened once to me in 1971. Many new beginnings since, but that was the day I was spiritually born, just like an infant baby. Jesus said, if you're not born again, you won't see the kingdom of heaven and you won't enter into the kingdom of heaven. So the most important question of your life is not have you joined a church, not have you been christened or baptized, but have you been born again? If you've never been born again, you can pray right in your seat, right where you are. No one will embarrass you, but right now you can pray right in your seat and you can leave here and today can be your spiritual birthday. Today you can be born again. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I believe in God and I believe in Jesus, but I've never prayed to be born again. Would you pray for me today, today for the first time? I want to be born again. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right now all over this building? I'm going to pray for you. Raise it up high. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. Okay, put your hands down. Last 10 seconds. Pastor, I didn't raise my hand with these 19, but I should have. My heart's about to beat out of my chest. I know this is what I need. I didn't raise my hand, but I should have. If that's you, raise it up right now and wave it at me because I'm asking this last 10 seconds just for you. Wave it at me. There's 19, 20, all right, 21. Now let's pray out loud, church. We're all going to pray together with everyone that raised their hand. And when you get to the end of this prayer, your sins are going to be forgiven. Christ is going to come live in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you're going to be born again. Let's pray out loud, church. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my guilt, my sin, and my shame. And you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me. So I would not have to go. And you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn away from sin to be born again. Today, God is my Father, Jesus is my Savior, and I'm born again in Jesus' name. Amen.